Okay, welcome, welcome. Whether this is your first time with us or you've been with us many times, we welcome you. We're so glad that you're here. We believe this is the best place to be on a Sunday morning. There's all kind of great churches in the area. We just believe we happen to be one of them. Come on, right? Come on, one of them. So uh, glad that you're part uh, of this journey with us even today. Uh, we're, we started a series of lessons last week called All Things New, kind of leading up to our biggest, uh, really the biggest season in church, not just our church, but church and Christendom, which is Good Friday and Easter. Everything that we do and everything we celebrate really revolved around uh, uh, that day and, you know, on Good Friday, what Jesus did when he died for us, but then thank God he rose for us. Amen? And, and so we celebrate that. Hopefully you're, you'll be a part of that with us this next couple of weeks coming up. But we started a series last week, as I said, called All Things New, and we kind of just, if you weren't with us, you can pick up some teaching on the podcast. It's, it's up on Tuesday, uh, generally every week, uh, but just kind of rewinding just a second to get you up, and then we'll get going where we want to go today, is that we, we started looking at talking about from the Old Testament perspective, when Jesus came up, we know the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, all those books, those, those, those uh, uh, from Genesis all the way to, to Malachi, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and then we have, we have these four, what they're called in our New Testament, but they're really the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, talk about Jesus' life from the perspective of men, that, the three men that were there with him. Luke wasn't with them. Luke heard the accounts, and Luke wrote a very detailed account, 24 chapters of the life of Jesus, what he did. So that was kind of the, the, the bridge, if you will, between the Old Covenant and then the New Covenant and the New Testament, which really starts in the book of Acts where we see the birth of the church and then the letters that were written to individual churches and, of course, the last book of the Bible, uh, the book of Revelation. Um, we find out that when Jesus, uh, on this very uh, historic night right before he was going to go to the cross, he gets all his guys together, Judas was one of them, and, and they're going to get ready to celebrate the Passover. And again, this was a, a bridge. Jesus was bridging the gap from this old covenant to this new covenant, this New Testament that he was getting ready to inaugurate. They've been doing this. The Jews have been doing this for 1,300 years. And they've been talking about the Passover. They called it the Passover. They didn't call it Holy Communion or whatever maybe you associated with it, it being the Catholic Church or, or being me, you know, raised in a Protestant church, communion, received certain times. You know, some of you have received it every week or regularly. Didn't call it communion. It was called Passover. And the Passover was from that last plague that we read about in the book of Exodus after Moses was telling Pharaoh, let my people go, and his heart kept getting hardened. That the very last plague, God told Moses, it's going to be the plague of all plagues. It's going to be a death angel is going to go through the land. And the only thing that's going to happen is if I see blood, I'll pass over your house. So God told Moses, take a lamb, everybody go to the house, kill the lamb, take the blood of the lamb, put it on the doorpost of your house. Symbolically, the doorpost of the house is made of wood. It's made of wood. And symbolically, it represented our, our cross. So we see types and shadows in the Old Testament about what Jesus came to do hundreds and hundreds of years later. So we, we find out that the death angel passed over uh, uh, the house wherever there was blood, and, and the people that were un under that house, in that house, it's interesting like what we talked about earlier in the service. When you're in that house, uh, uh, God's goodness is going to be there, and you're going to be protected from evil. Can you say amen? amen? Interesting. We're not just talking about your house. We're talking about the house of God. Interesting. And so the death angel passed over, and we found out they were delivered, but not quite all the way delivered, because Moses, or excuse me, Pharaoh came chasing after them. The Red Sea parted, you know, and then the Pharaoh and all his armies got drowned in the Red Sea, and, and Israel got, got over on, on dry ground. Well, this night, Jesus is celebrating this with his 12 disciples, and, and man, they've been doing it for 1,300 years, and Jesus gets all his guys together, and he just says, hey, guys, 
uh, something new is about ready to happen, and this isn't any longer about a lamb and about blood representing what Moses did and, 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 you know, 1,300 years ago. This is about my body being broken. This is about my blood being shed. I'm about to do something brand new. They didn't get it. They couldn't understand it. Uh, and what Jesus was saying really was that, you know, uh, hey, guys, uh, God delivered you from Pharaoh, but I'm getting ready to, to deliver you from the devil and the power of sin. Come on, somebody say amen right there. Uh, uh, and so what we found out last week is that we're going to get in trouble. Listen, we're going to get in trouble, and it's too long to get into, so please go to the podcast if you're interested. Uh, we're going to get in trouble if we mix and match covenants. If we go back to the old covenant and we try to bring it over to the new covenant, we're going to get in trouble. Uh, and so you got to be with us on this journey. I hope you are. I know you're listening today, and hope you come back next week because we're going to kind of button it all up next week with this last new thing that Jesus did. So we found out that Jesus came to bring a new covenant with us, a new covenant that was ratified in his blood, sealed in his blood. So glad today you and I didn't have to come to church with a goat, come on somebody, or a sheep, or, or a heifer, come on somebody, but we just came buying through the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen, amen, amen. But what we find out is that the disciples didn't even get it. They hung out with Jesus for three and a half years and they didn't get it because we found out that they actually said right before the ascension, hey Jesus, when are you coming back to, 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 to start the kingdom? And their mind was the kingdom that the king, he was the king and the king has a kingdom and his kingdom is gonna rule and reign. In other words, you are gonna rout out our enemy, our Old Testament Pharaoh, our New Testament Pharaoh is called Rome. They've taken over everything. We want you to come down here, set up your kingdom, and to rout out the Romans from our life so we can have our land, we can have our culture, we can have our customs. And really, Jesus, we see you as not the new covenant Jesus. We see you as Jesus, Old Testament 2.0. Moses on steroids. That's what we see you as. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. I've come to do something, something brand new. And what we find out is that Jesus is going to come and usher in a new international movement and this movement is what we want to talk about today. Here it is. Again, Jesus comes to usher in this new movement. And let me just tell you what the new movement's going to be. I'll let the cat out of the bag. The new movement is called the church. Let's jump into it because I think sometimes that we all, and I've been raised in church all my life. 59, I've been in church all my life. All kinds of different churches, Baptist, Presbyterian church, you know, church, Holy Ghost filled church like our church, all kind of different churches I've been in. And I've had, I've had, just like if you've been around for a while, you've had good experiences in church and not so good experiences in church. And all the people said, amen. But we find out this thing called the church is something Jesus actually died for. And he was going to usher in this new movement called the church. So let's talk about it today. What I'm going to do is we're going to look at a passage from Matthew chapter 16. If you've got a Bible, turn there. If not, we'll have the scriptures behind me. And then we're going to re I'm, I'm going to give you some real details. And so it's going to kind of almost be like we're going to bring you to, 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 to seminary for just a second and talk to you about this word called the church and give you some details about how it was used in the culture and custom of the day because I think it's important because that's the context Jesus was teaching him. So jump with me to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Check it out. We'll read New Living Translation. Jesus comes to the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asks his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? He's, I'm the Son of Man. Who do people say I am? Well, they said. Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Verse 15. Then he asks them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. 
Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you, he says, look, 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 now I say to you that you're Peter, which means rock, which means rock. And on this rock, I'll build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Check out verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid, different translation says this, whatever you forbid, bind or lock on earth will also be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit, loose or open on the earth will be permitted in heaven. What's the key on the phrase there, what Jesus said, on this rock, come on, help me out, I will, come on, build my church, and the powers of hell, or the gates of hell, one translation says, will not conquer and not overcome it. On this rock, I will build my church. Now, some people think, and some people thought, and some, some you know, organizations have thought that Jesus was calling Peter the first pope, and Peter was going to be the leader of the church. That's not what he's talking about. He's Peter actually tapped into what we could call revelation knowledge. Jesus says, who do I, who do I, they, they say I am, you're Jeremiah, John the Baptist, one of the prophets, but who do you say I am? Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, flesh and blood didn't, didn't, you know, allow you to understand that. You tapped into some knowledge beyond your own thinking, right? God downloaded that to him. He picked that up in his heart and he just said it right out of his mouth. And surely Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. Come on. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he says, man, you're you're, you're it. You're the Messiah. You're, you're the son of the living God. And then Jesus says, on this rock of revelation, I'm going to build my church. This is the first time the word church is mentioned in the Bible. First time ever it's mentioned. Jesus talked about it. After this, it's used about 120 times. All depends on which kind of you know, translation uh, uh, that, that, yeah, that you read after. So it's, it's interesting, I, I think, for us to just kind of right out of the gate, if you will, is understanding that the church was to be and the church is supposed to be an unstoppable force in the earth. Because he says, on this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell, or Hades, will not prevail or overcome or overpower this thing called the church. L listen to me. Church isn't just a club. Church isn't because we haven't got anything else better to do on a Sunday morning. When we come together, come on, there's supernatural power that's available in this place. And we, I want to differentiate, and we'll talk just as we work through this, that I want you to get thinking maybe a little bit different than you maybe currently are or have up until this point. We call this thing right here, this 2.41 acres, Spectrum Church. Spectrum Church. When people think, you know, hey, what are y'all doing on Sunday? I'm going to church. Uh, but, but church is a building, but in the day that Jesus, church wasn't considered a building. Church was a people. Come on, somebody. Church was a people. We need to think that way. So the power of this thing, Jesus says, is supernatural. It's really kind of what we call otherworldly. It's not natural. It's just, it doesn't have anything to do with the natural. It's got natural people in it, but the power and the force is coming from a different place. So Jesus is saying, when, 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 you're, when you're in this thing, when you're connected with this thing, when you're doing life with this thing called the church, there's a supernatural element you don't get when you just hang out with your buddies at Walmart. Come on, everybody. So, so Jesus says this. He, he says, I will build. He says, I will build my church. That just tells me that Jesus is pretty darn committed to the church. He's just all in with the church. He died for the church. He suffered for the church. He's living for the church. He's praying for the church. Not Spectrum Church, not Rock Church, not Calvary Chapel, not Presbyterian, Assembly of God, COGIC Church, whatever. He is praying for you individually. He believes in this thing called the church. 
So if he believes in it, I, I think we ought to be leaving it just a little bit more, huh? And again, we, the, the only thing that's jacked all of us up, everybody in the room up to a degree, is that when we think about the church, we think about negative situations maybe that have happened in the church. We think about maybe like Jesus, that Jesus has got his 12. We think about the one Judas. Well, listen to me. Don't be concentrating on the one Judas. Be concentrating on the 11 faithful. Come on, everybody. <laughs> the church is just not, 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 not perfect because we're all just imperfect. But Jesus died for this thing called the church of us doing something amazing with his life, with his power, with his word on the earth. Come on, Jesus believes in you and Jesus believes in all of us. And he just said, I'm going to build the church. So, so, so what I like to just say, got a couple thoughts on the screen for you to look at, that, that what he did, what he did, we do. What he did, we do. His word needs to be our word. His agenda needs to be our agenda, that we are the representative of Jesus in the earth. We are to represent Jesus to a lost and dying earth, a lost and dying world. That's what we do. So whatever he did, we do. Whatever he thinks, we think. Wherever he goes, we go. Whatever his agenda was, that's our agenda. Now, now here, here, here's where I want to go for the next couple of moments. I wanted to kind of get, like I said, a little teachy with you, a little kind of like college with you, thinking about what this word means. In, in the Greek language, which the, the New Testament was written in Greek, the, the, the word church means ecclesia. Here's what it means, ecclesia. And the definition of this word ecclesia means those that are called out and those that are assembled. Those that are called out, called out of darkness, called out of their, of their area where they're at, but they are assembled. They're joined together. And so the Apostle Paul actually tells us this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that he says that you all, we all are all part of a body. And we'll talk about that in a minute, a body. Every part is important, but the body has got to be connected. The body is of no value by itself. An eye without a head, with eye without an optic nerve, eye without things that can process with the brain and connect it with function of the body, can't work the way it's supposed to work. A hand cut off from a wrist over here is freaky. Come on, it's like, come on, we have, come on. You've seen the, you know, walking across. That's creature feature stuff when we were kids. That's freaky. But the body needs to be connected. It needs to be connected. It needs to be called out, but there's some assembly required required. So what we know is that, is that this, this ecclesia was people coming together to a particular place for a particular purpose. It had a goal. It had, it had a mission. It had a desire. It had a design. It, it wasn't just haphazard. It wasn't, it wasn't maybe in some of your friends that, that you've tried to talk to maybe about church, or maybe you're here, and, and you, you kind of maybe have thought, you know, well, church is just a crutch for the weak people. No, 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 no. Let me tell you what. you got to be strong to come to church. Let me tell you what. you got to be strong to come to church because you're required to believe something you can't see. That's pretty strong. You're required to serve when you don't want to serve. I mean, come on, if you want to keep growing, you're required to sacrifice. Again, if you want to keep growing, to, so, so church isn't for weaklings. Church is for people who just say, I need something in my life. I believe that Jesus died. I believe he's Lord, and I, 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 I'm, I'm going to trust that you're going to work in me and do something in me, even when I don't have the power to do it in myself. Come on, that's some strong people right now. Come on, poke your neighbor and say, you're looking strong over there right now. Come on, you're looking strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this word originally meant a group of people not called out of their homes, check this out, but summoned out of their homes to come and meet with God. The ecclesia in the culture of the day 
was people that, that someone would go to their home and say, there's a meeting, there's an assembly being gathered, not just church, this was a word in the culture, there, there's an ecclesia being gathered, you are summoned to come to the ecclesia, come to the gathering. You were summoned out of your home, not just, hey, make it if you can, no, no, you were summoned, you were summoned. The church, let me read this again, the church is a body of people, not so much assembling because they have chosen to come together, but assembling because God has called them to himself. Not so much assembling to share their own thoughts and opinions, but assembling to listen to the voice of God. (laughs) You really don't want to hear what I think. You're really here today, hopefully, because you want to hear what God thinks. So this isn't open mic night ever, and it shouldn't be in any church. It should be that we come together, and every church come together, to hear the Word of God. Downstairs with our kids' classes, the kids come together. We bring our kids to church so that the teachers can instruct them the Word of God. So my feelings have nothing to do with it. My emotions have nothing to do with it. My thoughts have nothing to do with it. My past has nothing to do with it. What does God say? I've been summoned out of my house. I've been called out of my house to hear and come together to hear what God has to say. Now, Jesus says, on this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And he says, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What you bind on earth or forbid on earth will be forbidden or bound in heaven, on earth. What, what, you, what you loose on earth will be loosed in, in heaven. So, so he says, I'm giving you power. I'm giving you keys of the kingdom. Huh. Everybody in the church that gets connected with this thing called the church, every individual person that comes out of their home, comes out of their, uh, out of their lifestyle, comes out of wherever they're at, and joins together anytime, be it in a small group, be it in an outreach, anybody that just joins together, there's going to be supernatural power available to change not only your life, but people's lives that you come in contact with. The ecclesia, those that have been called out, those that have been summoned out, those that have been brought out of their own home to do something amazing for a particular job and a particular purpose. Let me keep going here. The ecclesia, and this is a, a, a word study by a guy who's a genius in New, T- New Testament Greek word studies. Here's what he said. The ecclesia consisted of citizens who gathered together and they directed policy in the church. Excuse me, directed policy in the city. This is just natural people. They came out of their homes and they directed policy. We would call them council members or mayors or people who ran the city council. Uh, they declared war. They made peace. They engaged in treaties. They arranged alliances with other cities. They, they, they had uh, generals and military leaders and, leaders, and they assigned troops to different areas, and they dispatched them to other cities. They raised and allocated funds. They, they declared war. They made peace. They arranged different alliances with different places and different people. In other words, the assembly that were called out of their home, summoned out of their home, had power to determine what happened in the city. So Jesus is saying, and using this very same word, guys, he's using this very same word the very first time, and he says, on this rock, I'm going to build my church, I'm going to build my ecclesia, I'm going to summon them out of their homes, I'm going to call them out of their homes unto me, and they're going to join together in a group, in an assembly, somewhere, sometime, small group, church, big gathering, small gathering, when they come together, I'm going to meet them there, and there's going to be power there to determine what goes on in their life, their family's life, and what happens in a city. Come on, somebody. Man, come on, come on, this is something amazing. Come on, uh, you come out of your home, you gather, you join together, and you determine and you pray and you get my will, your school will change. 
Your business will change. Your city will change. The environment, come on somebody, the environment will change. Whatever goes on that you come together, that your whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. I'm giving you the keys. I'm get, come on, I'm giving you the keys. Whatever you do, whatever you decide, using my name and using my authority. Come on, this thing called the church is more than just a club. Come on, it is the power of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's think this. This new movement, this new movement that Jesus was the living, breathing church, if you will, everywhere he went. He was the perfect representative of God. He was God in the flesh. So everywhere he went, he did the will of God on the earth. That is exactly what we all are to do. Everywhere we go, we're ushering in and bringing the power of God to bear in every single situation because you and me have some keys. Come on, everybody. We have some keys. Now, in the, both the Greek and the Hebrew, it, th- this word, it wasn't exclusive. This word was inclusive. I want you to see that. It was not exclusive. This word was inclusive. It meant everybody is invited. There is nobody that cannot be a part of this. Everybody can join this thing called the church. So if you're here today going, oh, you don't know, Gary. You really don't know who I am. Listen, you don't know who you're sitting next to. Come on, somebody. We all have a past. Come on, we all have some stuff that we we're not, maybe not so proud of. But how many know Jesus is called a redeemer? Come on, everybody. He changes lives, and so that's why we're all here. So, so, so this summons just wasn't for a select few, but it was for every man, every woman, to shoulder their responsibilities, to hear and then act on, on the Word of God. Now, now I, I tell you what, I'm a church guy. You know, listen, church saved my life. Church changed my life. I'm a, like I told you, I was raised in church all my life. And yet I walked away for 12 years. One time I was like eight, man. Come on. When you're eight years old and you walk away from church, that's bad. But come on. I just, I said, man, I'm kind of done. I seen some crazy stuff. And, and then, you know, when I got to be between my junior, uh, between my sophomore and junior year in college, I got my life back right on, you know, on track and God got a hold of me. And I got a hold of him. I began to appreciate the church in its weirdness and uniqueness at the same time. I got to hang around some people that I would think of, you know, six months ago. These people are crazy. But man, this group of people taught me how to pray, taught me how to love God, taught me how to follow God and the will of God for my life. And let me tell you what, I am indebted to the people of the local church. A lot of people just say they don't need church anymore. Don't need church. And so, listen, statistically, listen to me, across the board, because come on, I'm reading all kind of church stuff, and it's alarming. There's some great stuff going on, but there's some alarming trends. And let me tell you the trend going on right now. The trend is you don't need church. Stay at home, and if you're even a church person, just watch online. You can just do whatever you want to do online, and you can have some virtual church. Listen, I'm down with podcasts. I'm down with live stream. I'm down with picking up stuff. We're going to video stuff here pretty soon and throw it online. I'm down with that if you can't come to church, but there's something that happens when you get together and you connect together. There's just something that happens. Just something that happens. So, so come on, you know, you'll fight for that because the trend is, they say, in the next 10 to 15 years, over half the people, over half the people are going to be staying home watching church online. And I'm saying, okay, well, okay, but I, I personally, I'm going to say, personally, <laughs> I don't want to be that kind of church. I want to be the kind of church that I see you. Come on. Because there's something about when you see somebody. I can't look at anybody across the line. But there's something about when you see somebody and you touch somebody's hand, I believe God can start talking to you. 
I, I believe in the church. Let me tell you a couple things, I, what Jesus said and what, what I believe too is that uh, I believe in the church because Jesus said a couple different things. Jesus said, we've already said it many times. Number one, I believe in the church because Jesus said, I, I, he'd build it. He'd build it. Come on, he'd build it. He'd build it. He said, I'm, I'm committed to this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to build it. I'm the architect. We know what the scripture says. I'm the ar- he's the architect. He's going to build the church. So, so listen, if you connect, you get built. If you connect, you get built. Disconnected equals disappointed. I can't tell you how many times I've seen over the course of years, just being a pastor, again, been, been, been doing this for quite a while, 34 years now. And I've seen people that, that get connected and then get disconnected or, or start getting building their life. And then, then it's kind of like, it's kind of like if you ever built a property, you built a house or built, you know, any kind of thing. And, and then all of a sudden you stop for a while and then somebody comes in, the building inspector comes in, the building inspector says, Hey man, we got to change this. This isn't exactly right. And so I look at that and I think about that when I come to the Word of God and I come to church and small group and hanging out with people. It's like you're going forward and you're moving forward. And then it's like, it's like you hear a word or, or God says something or somebody says something to you and challenges a belief. And, 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 and it's like, it's like pulling, out a, uh, pulling out a new permit. Like, like hey, man, you know, see that wall up in your life? <laughs> you know, of, of you've been around for a long time and you should know and you kind of, and, and there's a wall of offense and there's a wall of bitterness in your life because I'm hearing you and, and you keep saying I'm unforgiven and you can't forgive that person and there's a wall there. I'm pulling a building permit on you on that and you need to change that and you need to grow and you need to tear that wall down so you can keep growing. Uh, but then that's an area where most people or a lot of people just pull, pull back and, and disconnect. And the building process stops. And Jesus says, I want to build your life, but you got to stay connected. Uh, I believe in the local church because Jesus said, number two, he would be there. He would be there. Let me talk to you real quick here. He would be there. Real quick, just look on the screen for the sake of time. In, in Revelation chapter one, John is on the Isle of Patmos, and he's got this whole vision and revelation of what's going on with who Jesus is and, and what's going to go on in the last days. At the very first in chapter one, read with me here. It says, he says this, when I turned to see who was speaking to me, this is John talking, I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstand was someone like the Son of Man, Son of Man meaning Jesus. He was wearing a long robe with gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet, verse 15, were polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like many, many ocean waves. And then it goes on in verse 20 and says, and the seven lampstands are, are the seven churches. So John says, I'm hearing this voice, and I turn around to see who's talking to me, and I'm, I'm seeing someone, and it's in the middle of these seven golden lampstands, seven golden lampstands. Later on, you know, in chapter 2 and chapter 3, these, he's talking about these seven churches. So, so these lampstands represented seven churches, seven churches. And John says the seven lampstands were gold, were gold, were pure. And Jesus, it says here, in the midst of all the seven golden lampstands, Jesus was in the middle of the lampstand. Jesus was in the middle of the church. I want to get close to Jesus, come to church. I, can't, I want to hear the voice of Jesus, come to church. I, I, need, I need this to, be, to, to leave my life, come to church. I, I feel lonely, come to church. I, 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 I need help with my marriage, come to church. When you come to church, listen to me, when you come to church, 
Jesus is going to be in church. I believe in church number three because the scripture says that Jesus, we've read it, would be the head. He'd be the head, number three. Colossians 1 says this, that he is the head of his body, the church. He's the head. So the church, us all together, and corporately, us all together, we need to think like the head. So how the head thinks, we think. He's the head. The body does not think. The body follows the way the head thinks. So where the head goes, the body goes. The head controls the body. The head controls you individually, the body, and the church, the body. Ephesians 1 says this, the church is Christ's body in which he speaks and he acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Check that out. The church, the church, the local church, the corporate church, the universal church, is Christ's body, is Christ's body. He's the head, we're the body. And he speaks and he acts in this thing called the church. It fills everything. The church fills everything. The body of Christ needs to fill everything and every place with his presence. So I've been even thinking about like yesterday for our serve day. Man, we had all these bunch of teams going around Chula Vista just serving, hanging out, praying for people, talking to people, loving on people, serving people, no matter where we were at, just doing that. I'm thinking about the body of Christ just out there in the street. Not, not the body of Christ huddled in a church somewhere saying, hey, Jesus, come back soon because it's bad out there. No, 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 no. The church, the body of Christ, you and me co collected together, connected together, assembled, called out of our homes, summoned with power and authority to change what goes on in the city, what changes and goes on in people's lives because we've got the word and the power and the very life of God. Can you say amen, everybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, we can clap better than a golf clap, can't we? Yeah, come on. Man, so when you look at Jesus, man, uh, Jesus impacted cities, so the church should impact cities. Us, we should impact cities. That's the call of God in all of our lives. Not just, oh man, you know, I'm just trying to get by. What do you mean called trying to get by? The church, this new movement he called was his body. That would be like Jesus going to, a, going to the city and there's, there's lepers and there's the poor and the sick and the needy and, and they needed food and all kind of stuff and, and miracles and signs and wonders and Jesus is saying, sorry, can't help you. That's not what he did. Jesus went in cities and he impacted cities and he spoke the word of God and he changed perspective and caused people to see who God was and who they could possibly be and brought healing and deliverance. And he'd say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And that same anointing is in you and us as the church of Jesus Christ. So I got to think that way. It's a new movement, not just something to barely getting along and just trying to coast on and just wait for retirement and hope I can make it and, and take a couple of trips. No, I'm part of this thing called the church, the church. Come on, look on the screen real quick. Let me give you a couple things as we start kind of winding this plane down. Acts chapter 2 is, a, again, I talked to you about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then Acts chapter 2 is really the birth of the church. Jesus ascended towards heaven. He went up to heaven, never to return again until he comes back with new heaven and new earth here and bringing his rule and reign again, which day we don't exactly know. But Acts chapter 2 really describes the formation of what the church was going to look like. And so I, I don't want to read it. I want to kind of give you six or seven things that we find in Acts chapter 2, what it says that this church was going to look like. Number one, look on the screen. The church was a movement in teaching. It was a movement in teaching. So Paul, excuse me, Peter and the, and the, the guys that were originally with Jesus, 
They began teaching the word of God. They began teaching the words of Jesus. They began taking what Jesus said and teaching them and reteaching them. The church was a movement in teaching. So if that's the case, you and I need to clue in more and more to the teachings of the scriptures. Number two, the church was a movement in doing life together. They called it fellowship. They, when you look at the, in the scriptures from, from the New Testament, there is about 30, quote unquote, one another verses that we are to do life one another, one with the other. We're to be connected. We do life together. That's what this church was, the formation of the church. It wasn't isolated. It's, it, it's, it doesn't make a difference whether you think like you fit or not. No, baby, you fit. No, I'm the wrong color. No, baby, you're the right color. No, I'm the wrong, wrong age. No, you're the right age. No, I don't look like everybody else. Come on, have you seen the way we look? Come on, everybody. <laughs> you fit. Come on, you fit. Number three, the church was a movement in praying, in praying. The church was known by their prayers, known by their prayers. So come on, hang out with us, you know, this next Sunday night as we pray for our Easter services. Prayer processes the plan of God. Prayer moves mountains. Prayer brings kingdom rule to the earth. Come on, somebody say amen. The church was a movement in serving, what we find out in Acts chapter 2 in serving, serving one another. They were known by their lifestyle in serving each other. They weren't isolated. Whatever they had and whatever they had that was excess, they give it to somebody in serving and laying down their life. We'll talk about that a little bit next week. Do you know that the first hospitals and social services weren't done by the government? They were done by the church. You do realize that. The church has been known throughout the earth as, as, a, as an organization that will bring an aid and help and relief to whoever. That's what the church is all about. The church was a movement in giving. Generosity is our lifestyle. Generosity is just what we do. They, they would share with whoever had need. The church in Acts chapter 2, lastly, was a movement in sacrificing. In sacrificing. If they had something, they'd lay down their life, and they'd willingly give it, they'd willingly serve it, they'd willingly release it to anybody else. And nothing has changed. This is what Jesus came to do. He came to bring a new covenant. We call it the New Testament. It's written here that we've got it in our what we call New Testament scriptures. But he then came up about to bring about this thing called the church, the ecclesia, those that are called out, summoned out, and gathered and assembled together to do something amazing in the local community and the world and the region in which they are living. This is what we're called to do. This is a movement that can change culture. This is what Jesus came to do. This is what Jesus is standing behind. This is what Jesus is building. He's building you, but he's building us. Wow. Now, what I know about this, and you should, I think you realize too, is that the effectiveness of any movement is its reach. The effectiveness is its reach. In other words, the farther we reach, the more influence God can have. So, the question for you, the question for me, will always boil down to something like this. Will you reach across the office? Will you reach across the street? Will you reach across the classroom and talk to somebody and encourage somebody and lift somebody and release somebody and pray for somebody and help somebody and serve somebody and sacrifice for somebody and give to somebody and teach somebody and do life with somebody that's needing you to touch them? That's what the church is. 
Church is us. Church isn't a person. The church is us. Called out of our homes, summoned out of our homes, not even called. I, I like the word there, ecclesia. Summoned. Some of you have been summoned by the court system. You didn't have a choice. If you don't answer the summons, you could go to jail. That's how strong the word was. I've been summoned. I gave my heart to Jesus. Now he summons me out of my lifestyle, summons me out of my, uh, out of my whatever I want to do to come together and connect together in this group called the church that can change culture and change history and change a city and bring kingdom rule to bear in their schools, in their homes, in their offices, wherever they're at. And, and we can see Jesus do something amazing in the earth. Can you say amen? I love a scripture here in, in, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. It says this, kind of just parachuting right down to this one scripture. It says, God's purpose in all this, he's speaking of the church. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Now, if you stare that scripture down, you're kind of going, man, this is more than just a church getting around just doing kind of like, a, 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 you know, selling some donuts on a Sunday morning. This is, this is a little bit deeper purpose than maybe the church just having a garage sale. This seems a little bit deeper. God's purpose in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the formation of the thing called the church was that the church, that's you, that's me, that's us, would display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the, what? The unseen rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realm? Wow. You mean heaven's watching? You mean hell is watching? You mean angels that serve God are watching? You mean angels that serve the devil are watching what goes on in the church? The answer is yeah. God wants to use you. God wants to use this thing called the church, every church, to be a display of his power, his glory, his word, his will, his authority in the earth. And he wants to use you. What does that mean? Reach across the office. Reach across the street. Reach across the classroom. And let God's power flow through you, bringing change to somebody who needs some help. The Apostle Paul, last thing I'll tell you, the Apostle Paul at, the, at, at, at Ephesus, again, we've said it a couple times, just reiterate it. Paul uses the analogy of a marriage, a husband and a wife. He uses the analogy that the husband's the head and that the wife, they should submit to each other. But the Apostle Paul tells the people of Ephesus several things. He says, number one, that the church should follow the head, Jesus. So which, what, what, who, who do I follow? Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Fo follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Follow the head. Follow the head, Jesus. Secondly, Paul says there, he says that the church should love and serve just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. I wonder what, what, what should I do? Love and serve just like Jesus. And that thirdly, he says, the church should live pure, just like Jesus. Live holy, live uncontaminated, live wholeness with yourself, spirit, soul, and body. Uh, be sanctified, li live a life that's clean. Doesn't mean you're p perfect, and if you sin, if you mess up, like I do all the time, we just come back and ask God to forgive us, and he will forgive us. But the church, we should have clean hands and a clean heart. 
Jesus said, I'm committed to build this thing called the church. I'm, I'm committed. I'm committed to build your life. I'm here for the, for the long haul. That's you. That's me. That's us all together. And if he's committed to building this, I want to challenge you that you need to commit to the building process. And you, you don't need to get frustrated with what's going on or how quick or how not so quick or how, how long it's taking or just don't quit. So, so, so let me encourage you, if you're just kind of new with us, uh, what Brittany said a moment ago is our process and our journey. We, we're always real big on next steps. So if you haven't been part of Growth Track, I know it's the first service, but we hang out after the second service at about 12.50. And we take about 45 minutes, and we've got a four-step process. First, second, third, and fourth week of every month. Step one, two, three, and four. Join us for Growth Track. Let your journey continue. If you've never been water baptized, when we come up the next water baptism, take that next step. If you're not part of a small group, make that next step in being part of a small group. Just begin serving. Get on a dream team, what we call the people around here that serve, where you just say, I'm going to be a part of something that's beyond me because I'm committed to the growing process of Jesus Christ in the earth. The building will always be under construction forever. It's never finished. You're never going to be finished until we go to heaven. Jesus said, I will build my church. This is the movement he came to usher in. This is the movement he is committed to, and he is asking you to commit to his movement. Can you say amen? amen. Come on, bow your head. Close your eyes. Would you do that? Father God, this morning, we just pray for every single person in the room. I pray that, Father God, that we all would find our place and we all would be able to run our race and we all would be able to serve the grace that's on our life to the people around us. Father God, use us in a powerful way, whether we're brand new, whether we're seasoned saints or whether we're just trying to find our way. Father, I ask you today, you talk to every one of our heart, that this new covenant that you came to bring, Jesus, would usher in and has ushered in a new movement called the church, the ecclesia, summoned out of our house and called together, assembled. Help us get assembled. Assembled. Help us, oh God, so that we can do what you've called us to do, bringing you, Jesus, and your power to a lost and dying world. Challenge us, oh God. Challenge us. Renew us, revive us, restore us today concerning your love for the church. Because what you love, we want to love. What you value, we want to value. What your agenda is, will be our agenda. And your agenda is the church. We love you, Father. Right there where your head's bowed, your eyes closed. Come on, just give everyone the right to privacy. What we do at the end of every service is we always give someone, you, anybody in the room, an opportunity to respond to the message. Respond to making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. That's how you begin a journey with God. You don't begin a journey with God by thinking something or kind of passing out, you know, uh, something nice, cookies to grandmas or helping, helping do some kind of social event. That's not how you get right with God. The Bible says you get right with God by believing something and saying something. By believing something and saying something. It's as simple as that. And the life change will happen and then the journey will begin, you, begin and continue forever and ever. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I'm talking to you. If you're here today, maybe you said, I, I prayed that prayer like, like me when I was a kid and I left, but here I am today and I'm here to renew my commitment. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life again. I've, I've kind of been away, but I'm, I'm coming back today. If that's you, I'm talking to you. In just a moment, I'm gonna, what we do around here, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. 
I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to stand or ask you to come up to the front. I'm just going to say right there where you're at, raise your hand. We're going to pray for you. We're going to say a prayer out loud, all of us together, not just you. We're all going to join together. We're going to make Jesus the Lord of our life. So if you're, if you're.